If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look there. You know, Christmas really is my favorite time of year. But like so many of us, it's got to be the busiest time of year, isn't it? I mean, if there's ever a season that you always feel short on time and you get frustrated and angry waiting in lines and, and you just feel stressed right up to the holiday that, that you're looking forward to and trying to enjoy, it's got to be Christmas. And if you look back, Christmas is so different as a child versus an adult. Well, when I was a kid, it seemed like time slowed down to a glacier-like pace. I thought Christmas was never going to get here. And I saw the trees, and I saw the presents, and I just couldn't wait. And as an adult, though, it seems like Christmas goes by like a blur. And you just don't know what happened. But either way, it's, it's the time factor that seems to get us. You know, if you're like me, you find yourself wishing you just had a little more time. A little more time in the day, a little more, a few more days in the week, a few more months in the year. Most people just don't think they have enough time. Living in our country in this century, you listen to people almost on a daily basis just say how, how busy they are. Right? You go up to someone, you say, how you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm busy. Busy, busy, so busy, crazy busy. And you notice that when people tell you how busy they are, they're either bragging or, or they're complaining. But they're never rejoicing. You know, it turns out, though, somebody found out time. Uh, they found out time not just to wonder how much time we really have on our hands, but how to quantify, how to qualify how the average American spends their time. And this is what they found. Everyone gets the same 24-hour day as the person to their right or left. Nobody chooses how much time they have, but everyone chooses how they spend it. And one of the reasons why so many are frustrated is they don't spend the quantity of their time on quality matters. For example, the average person spends time at the gym or engaging in personal exercise an average of 12 minutes a day but we spend almost three hours a day watching TV. And yet, if you ask the per average person why, why they don't go to the gym, why they don't exercise, it's, I'm too busy. I don't have the time. A lot of people use work as an excuse why they can't exercise or, or why they can't read the Bible or why they just can't take time off or, or why they don't have enough rest and why they're tired. And we just don't have the time. Well, today I want to begin a series that, that's designed to help us maximize making this Christmas season work for you, not against you. We're calling it re-gifted. You ever re-gifted something? I mean, be honest. Have you ever taken something that somebody has given you and, and you didn't like it, and so you just repackaged it and, and gave it to someone else? Or did you ever take something you didn't like, put it up on a shelf, wait a few years, and then give it back to the very person that gave it to you in the first place? True confession, I did do that once. And you ever notice, though, that the people you, uh, are, you least like are the ones most likely to be re-gifted? One time I, I gave a, a guy a gift, and it wasn't because I didn't like him, I did. But... 
I just didn't know what to get him. And I felt obligated to get him something. And so on my bookshelf, I had two of the exact same books. And, and so I gave him one. But the mistake was I gave him the one that I had already marked up and made notes in and highlighted. And, and I didn't realize until he opened it and then called me and asked me if I just wanted my book back. <laughs> but I want to show you from the Christmas story how regifting is not only a good thing, it can be a God thing. Because the truth of the matter is none of us in this room are so busy, we don't have the time for regifting. If you're a follower of Christ, you have some things that are worth re-gifting. See, it doesn't matter how busy you are or how busy you think you are. You're never too busy to be a blessing. And if you are or you think you are, then you're not really investing your time. You're wasting your time. One pastor told about when his first grandchild came along. He said, I made up my mind I was going to invest time in him. I was going to do everything I could to become his best buddy. It turned out the first four years of his life, we got to keep him two to three days a week. And he said, I made up my mind I was going to spend time with him during those days. I would get up at four or five in the morning and work straight through to early afternoon so that I could spend some strong, quality time with him. He said one of the things he loved to do was hunt golf balls. So in my backyard, I would hit golf balls out into the woods and then we would both go and find them. He said, we did something that everyone can do this Christmas season. We both had joy, and we both gave joy. See, that, that's one of the things we can do because of Christmas. We can re-gift the joy that Jesus has given us. We can give that joy to others. Because Jesus gave us joy so that we will be joy givers. And in the very first Christmas, Luke tells us in his recounting of, of this great story, not only a gift that we have because of Christmas, but a gift that we can give because of Christmas. Listen to the story, Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. You see, it's because of Christmas we can always have joy. I mean, if there's a single word that describes what Christmas is all about, it's got to be joy. Right? Some of our favorite Christmas carols talk about joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the sky. But part of the problem is we have the wrong idea about joy. We think joy and happiness are, are synonymous. And therefore, we think joy depends on our circumstances. And so we run from one party to another and we race through the shopping malls and we wait in line for those parking spots. All define joy. 
To be honest, if you really want to lose your joy, just go with them all at Christmas. <laughs> but the angel said to the shepherds in verse 10, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. See, the angel said Christmas shouldn't just be a time of joy. It should be a time of great joy. The Greek word there for great literally means mega. It should be mega joy. <laughs> it's a lot of joy. I mean, what is it about Christmas that should keep us filled with joy? He says, he says in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. See, that's important. The city of David. And that's not Jerusalem. The city of David is Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem. And Jesus was born in this very tiny Jewish community. It's called the city of David because that's where David grew up. And why is that so important? Well, 700 years earlier, God, through the prophet Micah, promised that that was where the Messiah would be born. Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one for me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Did you catch it? Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. I mean, Bethlehem would not have been one of the top ten places in Israel you, you got to go to. Right, Bethlehem was Mayberry, it was Possum Creek, it was this nothing little town. But you know what that little town tells us? It gives us one of the greatest reasons you'll ever hear why we ought to have joy in our life. And it's because Bethlehem tells us God always keeps his promises. You ever made a promise you didn't keep? I have. I'm sure most of you have. But God keeps his promises. I mean, listen to some of his promises. I'm going to work out everything for your good. I will lead you to do my will. I'm going to give you eternal life. I will never leave you or forsake you. How can we not have joy? See, it's not just where the birth took place. It's who the birth was about, that should bring us joy. Listen again to verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He has three titles, Savior, Christ, and Lord. Th those three words never appear together again in the New Testament. And they should give you joy. You're like donuts. I love donuts. My, my favorite donut of all time is a Krispy Kreme, Angel Cream filled donut. I'm so thankful that Krispy Kremes are at least an hour away because I probably buy them more often. But, but I love to go and buy the, the Angel Cream filled donut, you know, the little white, fill, oh, they're so good, and bring them home. And I stick one in the microwave and I heat it up just a little bit until the cream gets warm and starts oozing out of the side of the donut. And you grab the donut and you bite into it and that cream just kind of explodes in your mouth. Well, see, so you bite into these three words, Savior, 
Christ and Lord and joy should explode in your heart. See, this is what these words tell us. That not only God keeps his promises, but God meets our needs. And those three words let us know that our past, our present, and our future are all taken care of. My past has been forgiven because Jesus is Savior. See, in the Old Testament, that word refers to God, the God who delivers his people from disease or defeat or death. And that word, that title, belongs to God and God alone. The prophet Isaiah recorded God's word to him, and he said, I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Yet according to Luke, this little baby that was born was the Savior. This little baby was God. See, Savior doesn't just tell us who he is, it tells us who we are, because who needs a Savior? Sinners. See, Jesus came to solve the biggest problem that we have, and that problem is sin. Right? You may, may think the greatest problem you have is trouble at home or work, but that's a symptom. Or your greatest problem is your temper, but that's a symptom. Or the greatest problem is an addiction, but that's a symptom. Or your greatest problem is rebellious kids, but that's a symptom. Our greatest problem is sin. And when God sent Jesus, he sent the one and only thing that we need to solve that problem. And that's a Savior. I'm sure you've heard this before. I know I've said it before, but I wanted to share it again. It was this little poem. It said, if our greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need is forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. Christmas tells us our past, my past, is forgiven. I also learned that my future is guaranteed because of Jesus, the Christ. Christ is the New Testament word for the Old Testament word Messiah. It means anointed one. You know who got anointed in the Old Testament? Kings. And God promised the greatest king of all, King David, that one day one of his heirs would sit on an eternal throne and reign as an eternal king. And what's sad is to this day, Jews are still looking for that Messiah, for that king. And what they're looking for, we have found in Jesus. He's the coming king. I mean, Jesus came the first time, and he came to take our sins away from us. And he comes the second time, and he's coming to take us away from our sins. When he comes again, he's not taking sides. He's taking over. And the very Messiah, who keeps his promises and has never broken one, promises that he will return. So we don't have to worry about the future and what it holds. Because we know who holds the future. See, my past is forgiven. My future is guaranteed. But my present is controlled by the Lord. See, Jesus wasn't just the Messiah of the Jews or the Savior of the world. He's Lord of the universe. Like the song says, he does have the whole world in his hands. He's Lord. He's Master. He's Boss. I read once, it said, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. They're not in charge. And it's true. 
And you see, if my past has been forgiven, if my present is under his control and my future is guaranteed, how am I not filled with joy? How are we not filled with joy? It's because of Christmas we have joy. But also because of Christmas, we should give joy. Re-gift joy. Go back to verse 10 and listen. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Mega joy for all the people. Can I have you underline two words if you do that in your Bible? One is you. One word is all. Jesus said that joy is for you all. Right? In the Greek, that's y'all. <laughs> Not really. This joy, it's meant to be shared with everyone. 1719, Isaac Watts wrote a hymn, Joy to the World. And he got the title right. Because Christmas is really joy to the world. It's not joy to America. It's not a national joy. It's not joy to the West. Not a cultural joy. Not joy to the rich. It's not financial joy. It's not joy to the happy. It's not an emotional joy. It's not joy to the healthy. It's not physical joy. It's not, it's joy to the world. It's joy for all people. The angel said, I bring you good news. That word good news, that's where we get our word evangelism. See, that's what evangelism is. It's us re-gifting the joy that we have been given and give it to somebody else. Because everybody needs to hear that our Savior, our Christ, our Lord has come. Everyone needs to hear that their past is forgiven and their present is in his control and our future is secured. So get involved. Re-gift that joy this Christmas. Can I make this a little personal? Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus came for you. He didn't just come for this world as a whole. He came for you. He came for me. And see, that joy, that's a barometer of our relationship with God. It doesn't matter your circumstances, right? It doesn't matter if you're financially broke. It doesn't matter if you're emotionally unhappy. You, you might be physically hurting. But if you're not filled with joy, it's not because of a marital problem or a financial problem or emotional problems or physical problems. If you're not filled with joy, it's a God problem. When you truly have Christ, when you focus on Him and you understand why He came and who He was, not only are you full of joy, not only do you have joy, but then you become a joy giver. So let me ask you, as we close this morning, is that what you desire? Do you... <laughs> need Jesus in your life? Do you need to be full of his joy? Because that all begins when you surrender your life to him. So if that's what you desire, I, I invite you to come.